Hello and welcome to the Fencing Podcast. I'm Gavin. And I'm Sean. And I'm Kate. I was going to say, Sean, have you recovered yet from all the epi from last time? Um, not really. I had to go and have a lie down in a darkened room for a while. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure I'll get over it eventually, as long as I don't have to do it again too soon. You have to self-quarantine yourself from all that epi. Yeah, it's, it's the way to do it, yeah. A couple of weeks. It should be fine. But it was okay. It was okay. And thankfully, we have no epi to talk about this time round. So, um, Even I'm sick but, of yeah. epi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow, I'm saying nothing. Although I noticed, Gav, I'll leave you to do the editing of the last episode for for the first time in a while, and to put together the show notes and all that sort of thing. So I turn my back on you for roughly five minutes, and I find that an episode has been been launched with the title "Epi is Best." Hmm. Would you like to explain yourself? Uh, well, it was so much epi, it just seemed logical. Hmm. I, I put the I put it through the uh, through the spreadsheet, and this is what this is what happened. That's what it came up with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is the worst excuse I think I've ever heard. Yeah, I don't make the rules, Sean. It's just how it is. I don't think you should, you should be allowed to edit unsupervised. That's the sort of titles he's coming <laughs> up with. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the editing's a really painful part of the whole process of producing this podcast, so <laughs> I'm, I'm prepared to let them have a go every now and again, but um, I, I may ask for, you know, the right of veto and things like um, uh, title for the episode. Anyway, um, shall we get to our our usual thanks to our, our lovely sponsors, Lee and Paul? Thank you, as always, for, for supporting the podcast for all these years. And I think something I've, I've forgotten to mention in the past, but it occurred to me today that we should, um, if you don't do it already, you should go and follow uh, Liam Paul London on the various social medias because they come up with lots of good stuff on there. They well, really do. They're... Well worth a follow. Uh, and I don't just say that because they're sponsors, but they, they genuinely come up with some interesting, intriguing stuff. Yeah, their blogs as well are really interesting online. I have had a good old mm, read of them. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, so lots of good stuff out there from our from our lovely sponsors. Go follow them if you're not doing it already. And thank you, of course, um, as always, to our, our lovely Patreon supporters. You probably don't produce as much in the, the way of glittering social media content, but we, we love you nonetheless. We do love them. <laughs> of course we do. So anyway, on to some actual fencing action. Um, I don't think we're going to have a major rant like we did for the last episode, because for this there was either... No commentary, commentary in Russian, which I quite enjoyed actually. And what was com- what was commentary like for Warsaw? Was there no commentary? There or was, was that in- no commentary. No commentary. No, okay. there was. So we've, we've- yeah, yeah. I'll get onto the co- the cameras situation, but yeah, oh, no okay. commentary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I did hear a little about this about about this, but I'll I'll not spoil the surprise. <laughs> um, so I think we'll kick off with the. The one where there's really no live stream at all to talk about, uh, which was the the men's foil World Cup in Cairo. We did kind of fear this might might be the case. No live stream for the previous two World Cups this season that that Cairo have hosted. Um, I had hoped they might pull out all the stops, considering how close to the end of Olympic qualification we are. But no, absolutely, absolutely nothing coming out of Cairo. I mean, I had a bit of a rant about this on social media, but it, it's not really directed at Cairo because really the the hosts for, for World Cups get very little, well, no support effectively really from the FIE and they need to pay for everything mm-hmm. and getting all the stuff to do a live, live stream to Cairo is very expensive. And they co- as I say, they, they host three World Cups a year um, and that's an expensive business. So I can kind of sympathise, 
while still being frustrated at the same time. <sighs> Disappointing. <laughs> but the good news is uh, Bruce Dickinson wasn't doing any commentary. Well, I mean, that's the difficult choice, isn't it? <laughs> if you have the choice of no live feed at all, or a live feed where you have to listen to David King and Bruce Dickinson, which do you choose? Mm, that's a good question. It's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. But anyway, yeah. it's not, not a choice I had to make. So, Carrie Mains Foil. Quick run through the early departures. Um, absolutely loads of them, to be fair. Out in the 64, Garozzo, Itkin and Bowden, Lepeshu, Chunka Long, Mark Smithstead, Poti and Shupanich. So, a load of big names there. Yeah. Even I know that's a big names. <laughs> yeah, it's abs- absolute mayhem in the 64. Carries on in the 32 with the four, Cherry Misanov, Kim Kyagon of Korea, uh, Michal Seiss of Poland, all diving out there. Um, the reason I mention Shupanich and Seiss, who not actually top 16 fencers, but both in contention for one of the European slots for qualification for the Olympics. So neither of them had a, a particularly brilliant day. And out in the 16, uh, Mertin and Avila. So last eight, Meinhardt, Lee Kwang, Hyun, Ryan Choi, and Sito of Japan. Um, and again, all these guys interesting because of uh, their chances. Well, apart from Meinhardt, obviously already home and hosed for, for qualification, but the other three all interested for uh, qualification in one way or another. Um, so our, our semi-finals, and here's the first mention of a, well, not a big surprise exactly, but somebody who's produced a big result at absolutely the right time. Um, Carlos Lavador of Spain, who's been kind of in the hunt for one of the European spots, but hadn't quite done it up to this point. Fence is an absolute blinder, storms his way through the the early stages of the D, having had to come through the the pools and preliminary Ds on the uh, on the Friday, and he then absolutely batters Alex Masialis fifteen three, which um, seems incredible. I thought it was a typo at first, but I did go back and check later. Um, yeah, genuinely, actually fifteen three <laughs> yeah, rather wow. than fifteen thirteen. Um, no, nobody beats Alex Masialis like that. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> I would love to have loved to have seen how he actually did it, but yeah, apparently that's not going to happen. So second semi final, uh, an all Italian. Match up with Andrea Cassara up against Alessio Facconi with Cassara coming through 15-11. And uh, Lavador really got the bit between his teeth. Um, destroys Cassara in the final as well with a, with a 15-6. Wow. So, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> what, what guy? absolutely on fire. Yeah, I mean, coming into this competition, uh, the, there was this, and then we've got the, the Grand Prix in Anaheim. Uh, and he was, he was sitting a good bit back from, from Benny Kleibrink. A fair number of points ahead of them, and and a very long way behind Marcus Mepstead. So the obvious solution to that is go and win, and that's exactly what he's done. <laughs> yeah. The plan, in, in, abs- in absolutely, fi- yeah, it's, it's plan A, um, and and he's he's gone and done it. Um, it doesn't quite catch him up to Marcus Mepstead, but jumped him ahead of of Clybrink, who was actually missing from this one, was um, injured apparently, sitting, sitting at home, presumably following the live results like like we were, going, oh no, this looks really bad. What? Um, <laughs> but we'll come to the teams where Clybrink's day would have been brightened quite considerably. With the, I mean, other things to point out from, from the individuals in this, Marcus Smith said now, very close to being sure of qualifying um, it would take something genuinely remarkable from the sort of remaining contenders for him him not to go. So almost there. So hurrah for our, our British boy. 
And the other bit of news that kind of emerged afterwards is that uh, Garrett Meinhardt and Alex Massialas are now both confirmed for the individual for the Olympics. So that means that Anaheim, in uh, a few weeks' time, will see a, a straightforward scrap between Itkin and, and Imboden for that final individual slot, which will be quite exciting, I would think. So looking forward to that. I think so. If if there's any uh, if there's any streaming, Sean, <laughs> the, oh, there will be. There will be. Yeah, it's, it's, it, well, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a. It's, I mean, it's a Grand Prix, yeah, exactly. So we we can be uh, confident that we'll be live streaming. Our only slight worry, of course, is who'll be doing the commentary. Please be cream. Please be. Uh, this is well. Yes, yes, please. That would be <laughs> that would be very nice indeed. Mm. So yeah, teams. Um, I'll, I'll not batter through all the results, but USA win uh, again. They they were a little bit experimental. They kind of changed the running order a bit so that we had almost everybody having a shot of doing the, the sort of finisher's job. But in, in most cases, they were pretty comfortably ahead in any case by that stage. Um, but then the big shock of the day was Russia. Russia finished second. Now, you've got to remember this is the, the baby Russian team with uh, Alexei Cheremisinov doing doing babysitting duties with the, the two Borodichevs and, and Milnikov. They've been sitting outside the top four for absolute ages and the fourth spot is kind of swapped back and forward between Hong Kong and Korea, which would have meant that both of them were would qualify for the Olympics. Uh, but Russia then beat Italy in the last eight here. And this was a, a full-strength Italian team and beat them pretty comfortably. Um, and then they beat France in the semi-final. Now, this was a slightly understrength French team. Uh, no Erwan Lepeshu, no Julien Mertin. So they had um, young Weller and Roger and Erwan Oakland. Um, in the team for that, but that's still a decent a decent win for Russia. And once they make mm. it to the final, that ruins Korea's day. Hong Kong beat Korea in the last eight, uh, so that guaranteed that they were going to finish ahead of Korea in the in the qualifying table. Uh, but Russia's big result means that uh, Hong Kong drop out of the top four, which means they drop into the Asian Zono qualifying and Korea miss out altogether, which I think pretty much for the last three years has never been the case. They've always been either in the top four or at worst fifth. So always in a position to qualify for the Olympics until the very last competition. And we'll only have one Korean fencer at the, at the men's fall at the Olympics, which is, yeah, it's pretty heartbreaking really for them. I, you know, I do sympathize. They, they missed out in Rio as well snatched away from the, uh, the the very last minute. Russia's move into the top four means that um, that Germany qualify as the best European team down in something like 10th or 11th of the rankings. And that does feel a little bit like the yeah. sort of least worst making it to the Olympics. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? You know, we'll have no Korea, we'll have no, no China. Japan at the moment aren't qualified either, but we're kind of working the assumption that they're likely to use some of their host nation places to to field a, a team there. I think so. So yeah, so Germany Germany benefit and Clybrink sitting at home having had a miserable day on the Saturday uh, must have been feeling pretty chipper by uh, by the end of Sunday with Germany making it through. Egypt already safely qualified and Canada um, again long since confirmed as taking up the Pan Am spot. So so we've got our teams for men's foil for the, for the Olympics and um, yeah, kind of mixed feelings about them. Mixed feelings about that. I do feel for Korea, but uh, yeah, that's 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 the way it pans out. Yeah, I mean, it, it is crazy though that you've got a team like Korea 
that's higher ranked than Germany, but they're not going to go. I just every time I see stuff like that, I just think oh, that's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the reason for for setting up Olympic qualification the way the way it is was to ensure kind of global competition, and yet you've got yeah as it stands three very strong Asian teams in Korea, Japan, and China who missed out by by quite a long way, really, all ranked ahead of Germany but not going. So yeah, weird, weird stuff. But that's that's what we have. So that was um yeah, sort of high speed uh, run through of <laughs> the the live results service from from Cairo. And um yeah, a bit more a bit more clarity on who we're going to see in Tokyo come the summer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's enough of enough of results reading. Um Kate, please <laughs> please tell us about some some real fencing. Some real um, fencing. Yes, that is Sabre. Sabre's real fencing. Yes, yep. Yeah. I, I just, I, I'm just feeding you the lines. I'm just feeding you the lines so you can knock them out of the park. Well, so, yeah, tell, us about the main, tell us about the main Sabre from Warsaw. Okay, so we'll go for Warsaw. We'll go for last 64 early departures. Homer, Yakomenko, Anstet, Montano, Anne and Bragamoff. Um, Homer, Anne and Bragamoff, both put out by GB guys. So big yeah, up to them. That. A really yep. impressive... Um, result for those guys last 32 Jamesi Zatmari Fayani uh, last 16 Gu Abedini Youngwan Kim Danilenko quite strong guys going out early to mm, last yeah yeah. Mm. yeah I was sort of I was watching it sort of you know yourself you watch a bit you do something you come back to and you go wait did I read that Oh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, where, where have these guys gone <laughs> uh, where they go we re- refresh refresh the page um, last day Hartung versus Salagi, Apati versus Kuritoli, Dershowitz versus Sameli, and Bezedzi versus O. And I'll jump to the first of the semi-finals. Still a pretty good good lineup for the quarterfinals, though, despite all these uh, big names going out earlier. Oh yeah, no, definitely, yeah, yeah. Like you can't get to that sort of that last sixteen, last eight, and not be one of the top guys. Um, it's just sometimes you think it's that who's going to get through that sort of stage. And really, apart from the last day, it's been pretty consistent, I think, over the competitions. There's been the odd few that have come. Like Zalagi is probably, yeah, he makes it into the first semi final, which is, I've got more to talk about his performance, but the rest of them have got pretty consistently throughout the competitions. Okay, so Kiritoli and Zalagi. I had a bit of fun with this one because I've not seen Zalagi fencing for a while, so went full out on it. Yeah, so at the break, it's 8-1 to Zalagi, well, so he's uh, already taken away. Sorry, what were you going to say, Gav? I was just going to say, I do call Aaron uh, the, the wizard. <laughs> That's why I view him. He's, he's, he's the wizard in my book. He's he has the... a beard. He mm. does magic. <laughs> Sounds about right. He is. Does he get the honorary title of fencing wizard then? In my books, he does. Yeah, he's a he's a proper mage. <laughs> yeah, he's he's in there with with Barry Paul as as a fencing wizard. It's an exalted company. Is that a new? So we have coolest fence of the planet and fencing wizard. Fencing wizard. I think I think if you're given the title fencing wizard, that stays forever. Whereas coolest fencer in the planet planet is far more ephemeral and uh, yeah. you know and passing. But yeah, fencing wizard. It's, it's like a, a lifetime a award. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, w- mm-hmm. I want that included on like the FE- FIE awards next time they have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sportsmanship, you know, highest ranked and fencing wizard. Good. Yeah, 
<laughs> I'll have a word. Good job. There goes Laggy. There's your pointy hat. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Enough of this nonsense. Come right. on. Let's... Okay, so yeah, Zalagi's all over Kuratoli, and he's got their completely different style. So I would say in Sabre, not to simplify it too much, but there's definitely creative fencers and destroyers. And Kuratoli's mm. a destroyer, with Zalagi is fencing wizard, creative. <laughs> So yeah. Kiritoli's oh, that's, that's, that's yeah, it's good. I like that. Yeah, it's a nice one. So Kiritoli's off the mark all the time, but Salagi's going second and is just setting everything up with second intention in the middle. So if I was Kiritoli's coach at this situation, I would say to he needs to slow down his preparation and draw Zalagi's attack to make him fall short, and Zalagi needs to maintain control, but then move up the gears because he just looks really he looks too chill. I would say in the semis, mm. he looks. He's a fencing wizard. He's he's calm, collected. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he was fencing well. It's it is virtually the definition of beautiful fencing, mm-hmm. and it and oh, it lovely. all looks so easy, and it looks like he has twice as much time as anybody else to yeah. do everything. Mm-hmm. I know it's really irritating, isn't it? <laughs> even even for saber pre- peasants like me and Gav, that's that's a beautiful thing to watch. Well, it's like um. When we, when we were watching Meinhardt and Avila in France and I was weeping, I was saying, Sean, this is so beautiful, I'm crying. Uh, uh, I feel a bit like that with, with, with Zalagi, but he's fencing really, really well. His movement is so fluid. Like you say, Kate, he's a, he creates from nothing, mm-hmm. basically. It just looks effortless, everything about it. It's just so yeah, beautiful. I think that's the thing. You look at it and think, he's made something look so complicated, so simple. And that is, mm. I think that's the mark of a good fencer. They don't do all these flashy, cool hits. Okay, they might chuck some in, but it's the it's the it's the basic stuff they do really, really, really well. And I think, yeah, I think someone was telling me about. Oh, I could talk about his leg all day, but um, he was training, and he'll literally if there's if it's someone on the Hungarian team or it's a 14-year-old, he will train with them and it doesn't matter and he will work on the same things and he's he's not sort of elitist in any way with the way he trains. In comparison to Curatoli, who's just, he's just going for hits. He's just trying to set up cool parries. He's trying to do stuff, but he's not setting up the... Um, the timing and the preparation, especially when you're fencing someone against a laggy, you can't just try and steamroll him. He's just mm. going to have something up his sleeve. I think Giratoli gets, I think it's 9-2, and then he starts to slow down a little bit, either matching the preparation or going second to then draw something. Yeah, but then unfortunately, it's a nasty fall from Giratoli. And I've watched, I have watched the last eights, but it looks from it, from what I've seen, that the piece wasn't great because... Nearly everybody fell over, or there was some sort of injury time have to be taken. Um, oh, right. Okay. So Cure totally, I don't know, it's out of shot, so... Oh, the cameras. So he, he does a massive... He, he does a really good preparation. He's taken up the attack. He's pushing Zalagi. He goes for a lunge. And I don't know what happens, that his leg, either it locks and he tries to move it and he's in the wrong position... Or he staves it or something, and then just yeah, bad. is on the floor and takes his medical time out, and then actually, in the end, pulls out from the match. Mm. So Zalagi goes through after after that. I think it's I think the score. I can't remember what the score was off the top of my head, but it was a real shame because Kyotoli had actually you could see he tactically made some better decisions, and we sort of you know could see him almost building up, but that's a shame for him to 
to get knocked out that way. But he still got third, yeah. so I mean, yeah, it's never it's mm. never a good way to go no. to finish your day having to having to limp out the competition. Mm-hmm. No, even a third's not as you say not a bad result at all, really. No, but so the thing about the cameras, right? These cameras mm, were doing yeah. my head in. So, <laughs> I, oh, right. Anyway, so they have the main camera in the centre of the piece, and anyone that knows what Sabre looks like is that a lot of that happens in the middle of the piece. And it's quick reactions. And especially when you're trying to analyse it, you want to see whose hand's moving first, who's got the better preparation, stuff like that. And then they go for, I think they're going for some sort of dramatic kind of, you know, camera angles. They've got camera mm. angles at the end of the piece, like where you'd piece, have yeah. <laughs> like a line judge type thing. And I'm watching this over Zalagi's shoulder. And ugh. and then some of it didn't have sound and then it did have sound. And then half the fight was just over one shoulder, half of it was... And then they start changing the angle halfway through the fight, and I was just losing my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's just yeah. I mean, the, the sort of over the shoulder shot, and I, I did see some of the. I get it if you like tracking them, but uh, yeah. Yeah, but I think the over the shoulder shot has to be used really sparingly because it's not a great. I mean, everybody knows it's not a great angle to actually watch the fight from. Um, even where the where the coaching box is, it's not usually a a great place to actually view the fight. No. It's, uh, you know, you want to see it, you want to see it straight on. Yeah. And looking over somebody's shoulder, a nice arty shot and everything, but, you know, use it, use it really sparingly. Yeah. And please don't change cameras half, like just as I say on guard defence, don't change cameras then because all say Sabura's watching it will just scream because it just does my head in. I switch around like, no, I want to see who's attacking was. Especially when I'm trying to do analysis about, you know, who's taking it right way, what's the preparation like. I just kind of grinds my gears, grinds my gears. <laughs> okay, I can tell. enough of that. So second semi-final, Dershowitz versus O. Dershowitz is immediately off the block, off the line, really aggressive, looks really up for it. Blitz attacks aren't working 100%, but you can just tell by his body language he's really up for this fight, and I think you have to be, especially against O. And these are kind of like the similar fights, so Dershowitz, I would say, is definitely a destroyer in this sense of the fight, and then O mm. is the creative fencer. But he's, Dershowitz, he's, he's losing the, um, he's got the aggression and the speed, but he's losing the control of the fight. So when he's just rushing straight off the line for a blitz attack, O's either blocking him out or they're clashing guards, so he's not really mm. looking at in sense of what O's doing, but his long attacks are crazy. They're like pushing him once he wins the middle, and then pushing him down to the end of the piece and just smacking him. It's probably the most <laughs> effective part of his game. Yeah, yeah. I've put my concern with Dershowitz is that can he maintain and increase his intensity? Because if you're starting at a hundred, there's nowhere to go from there. Yeah. So the middle is gets stuck in the middle a little bit. But Dershowitz has calmed down. I think his coach has said, slow down, calm down. Mm. Um, but he's picking him, picking O out just from his hand is just ever so slightly ahead of Dershowitz, um, ahead of O. Right. And he's drawing. So they're getting caught in the middle and then he's doing, he's hitting him into, he's slightly ahead of O. So then O will have to catch up and match that speed. So then he's drawing yeah. O's attack to make him miss or tacking him into preparation. And dealing with O's sneaky counterattack. Sneaky counterattack is something that keeps on coming up in my notes. I think one of them <laughs> I see sneaky McSneaky counterattacks. Um, yeah, but he's he has slowed down in this half. He's way more controlled, setting up 
attacks um setting up things in the middle way better than just a blitz attack but i keep on only thing is that he um yeah he keeps on going for massive step lunges in the middle i think he's gained a few points and then going oh i need to hit him now mm. which is something i if i'm coaching the kids i always go mental at them for it's just taking a step <laughs> lunge into the middle i stop it uh what what Jeshevitz needs is you in his corner going, you stop doing uh, well, that. <laughs> I did do some analysis of this with the kids uh, yesterday or today. And I went, so if you were their coach, what would they say? Um, they went, stop mucking about and get on with it. I said, all right, you can go say that to them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, is that a freeze the hero? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where they got it from, to be honest. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, yeah, well. <laughs> okay, uh, moving on. Really nice full short from, oh, it's back and forth this um fight but now it's 14 8 yeah it's all in the middle short preparation from O catching Dershowitz out yeah he's trying to look for the paripos but keeps on getting stuck so that's sort of looking for hits not looking for the timing and then oh yeah so the second to last hit Dershowitz goes in for the middle and gets stuck and then O does exactly the same thing the other way around and Dershowitz gets the hit Yeah, and then so Dershowitz into the final we had a wheelchair saber for final as well. I don't know if there was another competition, right. a wheelchair Polish championships going on at the same time. That was interesting to see. That came across. Mm. Always good to see. Okay. So Lagi versus Dershowitz. So from the middle, from the break, it's 8-6 to Zlagi at the break. So it's been a close match so far. Zlagi has just been slightly ahead of Dershowitz timing-wise. So Zlagi's like just a little bit smaller. Whereas Dershowitz a little bit. He's not as fast as he is, a bit crazy. He's not as crazy as he was in the previous match. But right, um, yeah. Delaghi's game, in just in general, is going second and letting them make the mistake or setting a mistake and then take up the attack. And Dershowitz is more aggressive and is more, is either hit or not getting hit type job. So they, <laughs> yeah. they attack the creative and the destroyer. Mm-hmm. Again. So he's. But Dershowitz is making really good tactical decisions. Um, he's getting the attack in the middle. He's going in and out and then feinting the attacks to draw Zalagi's attack, making a miss. It's, Dershowitz's long attacks have been amazing the whole competition, pushing them right down to the end. I mean, I think O got at least one jammy counterattack on him. And Zalagi's not as, is not as strong in his defense in comparison to Dershowitz's attack. But it's, he's just getting caught out in the middle. Whereas Zalagi is just that more karma and setting things up and he's just he's just that marginal stuff that he's just a little bit smaller in his preparation. He's able to see what Dershowitz is doing and he's setting him up. Zalagi, I think he's he's gaining a couple of hits and he goes for a showboat, jumps a cond. That's an eye roll from me. Yeah. But Dershowitz <laughs> All right. nails attack in the see, middle. See, we, we like that. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's the thing. He's playing well, to the audience can... on that one. Yeah, I like. I said he's creative. We always throw his, he throws in a couple of crazy hits in the middle. Either way, um, but then he sets up the attack way better, and he feints the attack, takes the parrying distance. It's very textbook, like it is. It's very, it's pretty fencing. It's very beautiful fencing. He's not just going yeah. for like clobbering hits. So, in my notes, this is the one where I've said so. They both they're going in and out. So in saber, you see it a lot. Will they take the preparation? They go in, and they both. It looks like they're both trying to do a full short and then one of them has yeah. to pick up the timing and it's it's quite a lot of um like hair like 
really tiny stuff they're picking up the timing so yeah that's happening a lot and then Zalagi gets the I've put in quotes sneaky McSneaks of stop hits and zooms off <laughs> I don't even know how he manages to get the change of direction to zoom out of there but I was impressed what, what qualifies as sneaky McSneak yeah. um New, new technical term we need to add to the sort of sneaky McSneaks fencing lexicon mm-hmm. yeah it's a close match. It was a close match up until at eight ten, and Zlaggy just starts to pull away. And you can see he's got more gears to go up. And Dershowitz, he's just that little bit more tactically creative than Dershowitz was. Mm. And we see um, in the end, it's a win for Zlaggy. But I just want to say, I feel I rushed through that. But when I'm saying that he's better than Zlaggy, I'm not saying that Dershowitz is a bad fencer. I'm really trying this. Well, really trying hard this time, this episode, not to insult anybody. Not to insult anybody. And I'm, I'm trying wow. to be really nice, right? So it's, <laughs> it is hundred percent that they're amazing fences. And it's just, like I said, that Zalagi is just that ever so slightly more tactically creative. I'm not, I'm not mm. saying just, anyone's a bad fencer. Everyone's amazing. I'm being nice. Nobody's weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Everyone's a winner here. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, we know what you mean. So, Salagi, Dushwitz. Salagi was way better. Than, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you said I it. Say. I didn't say anything. Um, <laughs> I've been on my best behavior this time. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. first place, Salagi, second to Dershowitz, and third for Curatolian O. A surprising, no, it's not surprising, but it's the first podium place for Salagi this season. Um, mm. But I think he definitely has that focus on Olympics and a third gold medal. So, he's really, yeah. I think he's. Um, I periodized his training really well that he's coming to a peak at the right time. Yeah, because he he missed one of the competitions, first one of the season, I think yeah. it was that he said, um, "No, no rush. I, I can wait mm-hmm. and and be fresh from for for Tokyo," uh, which is yeah, it's a sensible. It's it's shows a bit of confidence. Yeah, you definitely confidence. I have a I have a funny feeling that this is not the first time he's done this. That he's not in the Olympic season. Running up to a season, he's not had such a f- great result. I don't know if that's me just thinking that in my head, but I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not sure now, but um, yeah, he's definitely peaked at the right time. I think. I think he's still got. Even when I was watching him, watching him fencing, um, mm. he didn't look like he was going flat out at all. He still looked pretty, pretty chilled when he was fencing. Right now, here's a wee question for you because I went and. I went and had a look at this. Okay. Um, how many times do you think Slaggy has won a World Cup or a Grand Prix World Championships or Zonals since the last Olympics? I don't think he's won a World Championships. No, you're right. No, no, but I mean, just just since Rio. Since how, how many Rio. Times has he, how many times has he won? Oh. At least three. I'm going to say at least three. Well, the answer is um, this is his second win. Wow. Yeah, in the last, well, nearly four years now. Um, he won won the Grand Prix in Seoul in 2018, and um, this is the first thing that he's won since then, which was a, a bit of a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, hitting form at the right time. Don't want to win, win the boring stuff. Yeah, just win the Olympics. Too far yeah, the Olympics. Just win the Olympics. Yeah, nobody will remember any of the else, anything else. So. Well, fair enough. If you can, well, I don't think anyone else has won. I mean, th- two Olympics in a row is pretty impressive, but three, I don't think that's been done before. 
Um, not not for a very very long time at least. No. Yeah, it would be amazing if he if he manages to do it. I mean, any any gold medal is pretty impressive, to be honest. Yeah, but you've got a collection of them. <laughs> that's, that's you know, lots of people have got Olympic gold medals. Well, that's not really true, but you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, but winning multiple ones consecutively and potentially consecutively winning a third one would be incredible. Mm. And uh, yeah, you're right. It seems to be hitting form at the right time. Yeah. My only concern is, well, other concern um, is, it's not really a concern as much, but uh, when the next individual competition for the men will be, because on the FA rankings, they have it down as, I don't know how to pronounce it, Padua or Padua in Italy. Padua, yeah. But it's been, I've heard through the grapevine that it's been cancelled because of the coronavirus outbreak. So, Hmm. if they're going to put another competition in place or are they just not going to put it in but then the next competition after that is Budapest the 20th of March yeah so I'm not sure what they're going to do in place of that they've not got a lot of time certainly to to find something different to do I mean I, no. I must admit I hadn't heard anything officially yet about uh, Padua being being cancelled and it is only a couple of weeks yeah Away, I mean, it's it's really close. So if if they are going to cancel it and try and find an alternative venue for it, they're going to have to move really quickly. Yeah, definitely. Because um, because I only know it for myself because I was trying planning to do some training in Rome before World Cup, um, and talking to other fences, and they're saying, mm, "Don't know if we can do that now." Just right. because if you are in Italy and then try and leave, you have to self quarantine yourself. Yeah, for, for 14 days. Two weeks. Yeah. yeah, two weeks before you can do anything. Yeah, not not good at all. Nope. Okay, so, well, that was the individual. Sound, sounds pretty good. I, I did watch a, a few bits and pieces of this, but kind of following other stuff at the same time, so uh didn't catch all of it. Tell us about the teams, because they were pretty weird. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, pretty weird. It's a, yeah, I would say it's a, that's, fair. that's a fair explanation. I'm going to make a confession. I have not watched all of it because I was no. only focused on the fights that France were in. And if you've not yeah. watched it, I will explain why. Okay. Okay. So Go some it. background information. So at the start of the competition, we've got um, Korea is number one, Hungary is number two, Italy is number three. And Team France is ranked seventh. Okay. Cool. So we have um, in the last day, Korea versus China. Korea winning China quite comfortably. Iran versus Germany. Germany winning quite comfortably. Italy versus Russia even more comfortably, 45-28. And then we have France and Hungary, which is the one I'm going to talk about. Mm. So, first of the camera, I don't know what the issue was, but it only shows from the fourth period onwards. Great. Don't know why. Okay, so on paper, like I said, Hungary is ranked second. France is ranked seventh. Okay. Mm. So, straight off, France is actually getting quite a good uh, lead on Hungary. So they've started off pretty well and having sort of close edging, chipping away at um, sort of point for point. There's no Zatmari in the Hungarian team, however. Okay. And I don't know why. I don't know if there was an injury or what happened, but he's not fencing on the team. Anyway, so up until the last fight, sites gains about nine points yeah so from 30 26 to 33 35 hungary's got this control in the middle um especially zalagi really nice um tactical decisions 
and then Sites just marginally changes his preparation so he's smaller and then going second to draw the attack against the I think it's Ilias, the um Hungarians. Yeah. And that's what's given him those nine points. He gets quite a few points. And it's literally just from changing his preparation because they're getting caught. They're both like several times just doing bam, bam, step lunge into the middle. And then Sites has just shortened his preparation. That's given him the time to see whether to attack or to draw it and make a miss. And I think that really gave the nine points, gives a nice boost to France to carry them. On into the next fights. And this was the fight I did with the younger fencers. And I made them watch the last four fights. And I split them into Team Hungary and Team France. <laughs> and if they're a national coach. And uh, yeah, I asked one of them, what would you, so what would you be your advice? You know, if you were, what would you do tactically? And one of them went, I'd tell them to stop mucking about and get on with it. I was like, fair enough. <laughs> More of that. All right. Great advice. Great <laughs> I was advice. like, yeah, just off you go. I'll pop off to, uh, you know. Budapest and Paris. It's good advice. It's good. It's good advice that will work. And uh, <laughs> they were on the ball last time you asked them that. So if I was them, I would just stick to my guns. Be like that worked last time. More yep. of that, please. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Do that thing. Nice one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And France. From I would say nowhere. It was so, it was really crazy close at the end as well. Um, France winning forty five forty two. Apathy. Mm is middle and attack it just fencing him and um Zalagia very well matched and it was just a really nice fight to watch but Apatis just to make um Zalagia look okayish is impressive <laughs> yeah but it, it yeah that was um really uh, surprised me especially you know they came second at the world championships so stick with me on this one I skipped the other ones. I was like, no, nah, I don't want to see any ones. I want to see where France is going with the next fight. So France versus Italy. Again, Italy, they've got a strong team, but really Italy... Was, was Crattoli back in for for the team as he recovered from his yes. injury on Saturday? He was yeah. fit, fit for that. Um, so Crattoli, um was injured on the Saturday, but then also Smelly as well. He takes a tumble, um, I think, in his last eight fight. I think he catches the back of his head. He falls off the piece. It's a raised piece, so he falls off Ooh, the piece yeah. and then catches his um, back of his head. That piece really did give me the fear, like the amount of people that fell off that and watching them in the last eight. France have really built on their previous match against Hungary. You can see they're, they're just there. Even if you just watch their body language, the way they're, as a team, they're plugging each other off. But Italy, they just seem to get really rattled by them. Especially if you go to the fight of um, Curatoli just being, he's just being a diva is what I've put down. <laughs> it being a diva. Um, and the it's against Anstead and even, I'm struggling to see the hits in the middle or how the referee's calling them. Um, but Curatoli is not having it. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, at one point it kicks off. Um, so they go for, it's everything's in the middle, everything in the middle. And they keep on either one of them starts early or the other one starts early and they're stopping the fight and the ref's not given any cards or any like, you know, you calm down or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's a point where, it, because there's no sound to the video, it's hard to tell if there's a beat or if there isn't or it's a Malpari. Yeah. And that's when it starts kicking off. So <laughs> Curatelli's had been a diva, but then the coach and Montano step in and tell him to back off and to sit down. And he's not having it. So then the ref pulls out a card 
And um, <laughs> yeah, just don't just don't be a diva, guys. Just don't do it. Yeah. It's not worth it. And I think there's a succession of fights where nearly every fight the Italians are going up afterwards, going whoa, 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 what's going on? What's going on? So I mean, they're not doing anything crazy. The French team, they're just looking just so much more calmer than the Italians. Yeah, I mean the thing is, having a tantrum at the referee never never gets you the result you want. No, I wouldn't suggest it. <laughs> no, um, especially one of the referees. Um, I can't remember which one it is. They one of them is Spanish, and he he's not as he's not as intimidating as the I think he's Belarusian or Romanian, and he just scares me. Uh, yeah, I don't know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he really scares me. I've seen I've seen people. Ask for a video and him go, no, no, you're not getting video. And they're like, oh, okay, back on guard. You have to almost convince him, like, no, please give me video. Turn around and go back. And he just won't. He's like, no. Uh, I'm not sure that's how it's supposed to work. but Yeah, you know. neither am I, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, mm, yeah. That's how it works with him. <laughs> yeah, I think it's his law. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so the French, the... Italians are just rushing into the middle, big preparations and looking, like I said, looking for stuff. Um, and it's 2014 Apathy versus Montano because they've subbed uh, out Samelli. So mm. I I think he, one of his fights, he only got two points against one of them. So they sub him out. And I think he also is injured as well because um, either... I think it's Barry or Curatoli doesn't get any hits on them, but keep him in. So I think Samelli is taken out and Montana's put in his place. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and, and Montana doesn't get a, a run out for the Italian team very often these days. He's no. mostly consigned to uh, water and hill carrying duties. <laughs> He's the water boy. He was way, yeah. it was a lot more chilled in comparison to uh, Curatoli and the way they fenced. Mm-hmm. It's just, Yeah, Apathy has a really strong start and a slight dip, but brings it back. And he's just... It's not that oh, it's just I just really like Mon- Apatis, um fencing. Actually, he's really chill and he's really polite, and he'll touche hit if he doesn't think it's against him. And he's I like his his presence on the piece. I know that's not mm. completely you know we're talking about fencing, but I just I think it's something that's really important though. Sometimes when you're fencing is how you behave as well as how you fence. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree absolutely. Yeah, um, and then the eighth leg, a completely different Curatoli. He touches a hit as well at one point. Mm. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was the same. It's the Spanish referee, so I think he was on his best behaviour. And no. he actually, <laughs> I th- he fences way better as well. Once he doesn't bother about what the referee's on about and he just focuses and is way more chilled out. And it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a better fight really, watching him fence. Mm. Into the last leg, really strong leg from Bere. And it's, I think it's f- 44, 39. And I really thought Apathy had it for a split sec. Well, not that he doesn't get a spoiler, but <laughs> he just, uh, he's trying to do fancy hits and he's not setting up, you know, distance. He's not setting up the timing of hits and things. So Barry gets some really good hits. And there's the last hit that the ref gives, Apathy thinks this is attack on prep. Barry thinks it's his attack and the ref gives it as attack on prep. France mm. win, 45-41. And I'm still not convinced, and I've watched it quite a few times, and I'm not an FIU ref, but I just, I really want to know someone else's opinion on it because it's a right. really weird hit because sometimes it can look like an attack on prep, but it's actually attack counterattack. 
Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd offer to watch it and give you my opinion, but. No, yeah, it's, no, really, I'd, I'd like to It's hear. totally worthless, so I wouldn't bother with that. Though. So, <laughs> <laughs> get, get some of your Sabre friends to have a look and, and tell you what they think. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say, oh, that, oh, France shouldn't have won, because, no, they fenced amazingly. It was just that last hit. I was like, hmm, interesting. Yes. Uh, whose light came on first? Oh, well. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, uh, I've, well, yeah, I've, just humour in the best you can, Keith. <laughs> I was just, you know, nothing good to say. If you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Sorry. I'm being well behaved this Sorry. week. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. To you be fair, anybody. To be so fair I'm, a, so I'm a foil and epi peasant, so, you know, yeah. <laughs> what do I know? Doesn't, doesn't have the same ring to it now. We've established, you know, saber peasantry as a thing. Uh, the, other, <laughs> the other weapons have got a way to go, I think. Not saying anything. It's right. right. Be nice. <laughs> Korea and France. I'm really, I'm just, I skipped all the other fights. I was like, pfft, whatever. I'm just watching Korea and France, which was a really close match. There's only five points in between each of them. And you skip to the seventh period because that's where all the excitement happens. Mm-hmm. So it's 25-30, Seitz versus Bongil, Gu Bongil even. Yeah. Um, Seitz is small preparation. It's minuscule and it's amazing. He is getting Paripos on the back line. He's getting attacks in preparation. He's taking Paripos. Um, I couldn't make any notes because it's just me sitting there going, nice. Ooh, uh, ooh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah, he gets, I think, nine points in a row and Gubongil gets two. Yeah, maybe. That's slaughter. I, I did see this and yeah. again, one of those ones we think, that's amazing. Yeah. Even, just, if, even if you just look at the numbers, you think, eh? What's going on? Yeah. It makes you want to watch the fight. Flip to the other side. So Anstet's on, and it's the other side. So he doesn't get hardly any points. Uh, I don't actually know who's against Vincent. He only gets... Uh, Kim, I think. Kim. He only gets three hits, and then Kim gets ten, I think. Something crazy he gets. No, more than that. Again, it just flips to the other side, you know. one get, They get a point, they get a point. So... Kim gets eight points and Anstead gets three. So it's 40, 38 going into the, the last period. It's exciting stuff, Sabre, you know? Um, <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. I know. I know I'm just saying. I just get so excited by it all. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking, is it enough of a lead? Is Have they meet? Have they met their point of what's going to happen? It's, oh, it's, it's, just, it's just kicking off, guys. Okay. So Apathy and O are really well matched, I would say. This is all my opinion. You can fight against it if you don't like it. But I would say <laughs> Apathy and O are both really, they're more likely to go second against someone and they're really quite creative and really nice fences in a way that, not that people who are really strong and aggressive off the line aren't, but <laughs> they're nice, all, no. um, I, can't, I can't think of the word to describe it, but that, like technically they're really nice as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like if, if, if fencing had points, you know, like, for like style yeah. prizes, I think they'd get style yeah. prizes. Yeah, anyone that can get a counterattack off O, oh, uh, hats off to them. Um, yeah. Counterattacks off uh, Koreans, is, uh, yeah, they just yeah, don't get many of them. No, it's just really, I'm just getting so excited by it all. Um, and Apathy again is just looks almost like O's asleep. It's like what? Wake up! What are you doing? Um, Apathy's just, I just. I need to catch my breath. I'm just getting too excited now, guys. Yeah, his long attacks is amazing. He's picking up the attacks. 
and its timing is just it's so much better than O's, and that's saying something. And yeah, he went. He gets seven points. O gets th- three. Um, so it's forty-five, forty-three in the end, and France win. And it's it's just a, it's a really good fight of you don't know it, you don't know what's going to happen until the very very end. Yeah, I just I'm missing out my notes just because I got too excited in that last fight. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's really great work from French for the French team because I like most of my focus is on the women's saber. They don't really pay that much attention to men's saber. So, you know, I'm not saying that the French team are not a good team, but you don't really, I wouldn't have thought them to be. Yeah, they have been underperforming. And I think, I mean, Anstet and Apathy are two very strong fencers and they felt this kind of struggled to have a a consistent performing third fencer. Mm -hmm. And certainly this weekend, Tom Sice thoroughly stepped up to the mark and oh, yeah. gave them exactly what he needed. I mean, more than more than doing the the third fencer's job. Probably the performance of all three of oh, everyone in the team was uh, mm. Sites' performance, and everyone had just been amazing, really. Yeah, and yeah, I think they've really established themselves as a team. But in terms of ranking wise, I don't think that they're after that. Yeah, they've only moved up. No, they haven't moved to a single place. So even yeah, after winning that, they're still seventh. They, yeah, still seventh, but they have they have closed the gap uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit. So, I mean, with two two World Cups still to go in in men's saber, um, assuming Padre goes ahead or mm-hmm. is replaced by something else, you know, they they still got time. Yeah, and and the fact that they found some form and have still got those couple of competitions to go, you know, you could think they've got. They got a real chance now. Whereas before this weekend, you said that you know they're a long way back. They need they need a massive result, and they've they've duly come up with one. Yeah, and uh, and Germany as well, putting out Italy in the third place playoff it was mm. really impressive. So yeah, the podium. I, I looked because I get all my information from Instagram first. So I looked and went, <laughs> "Why is Korea to the side, and why is is France <laughs> in the middle? What's going on?" <laughs> yeah, that's that can't be right. Something, something yeah, wrong yeah. with that podium. I'm yeah. glad I'm not the only one. I went, hey. What's going on? But yeah, I, I'm just getting really more, really excited now for the to see what's going to happen. Yeah, but it's uh, it's it's kind of that time where it's all starting to teach sheep, and you get the crazy uh, teams coming out of nowhere. Type yeah, thing pulling out results that you thought I didn't really think that they didn't do that at the start of like four years ago, but now they're pulling out them out of the hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about all about the right timing. Mm-hmm. So France, France may have found their winning formula at just the, just the right point. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds pretty good. That's all I had to say about Warsaw then. Well, Mostly me getting excited, basically. You're getting excited, and since Gav and I haven't had a bit of a rant this time very much, um, you get to have a, a bit of a rant about the camera angles. And I, But I wasn't, I wasn't nasty, though. I, I completely understand, you know, running a World Cup, there's not much in the way of support and things. So I'm not... It's not a... It's annoying, but it's not. It's no one's fault. No one's bad. Mm. No, I'm. I'm being. I've been really good. I don't think I've said anything nasty today. You're far more understanding than both me and Sean. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's because we're a couple of uh, irritable middle-aged men, Gav. That's why. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's uh, that's our our general persona for almost everything. I think I'm just saying, just putting the woman's view out there that we've got more to moan about. Just saying. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, undoubtedly, but that that doesn't stop us from uh, having <laughs> having a whinge about almost everything. 
Well, yeah. Look, I've reached that point in my life, Kate, that I just hurt all the time. It's just, <laughs> it's just how it is. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, okay, well, it, uh, I'm going to put my food out here and say, well, that's enough sabre for, for right. the moment. Fair um, enough. You know, I mean, potentially we come back to coolest fencer on the planet towards the end of things. So, you know, you get the chance to chip in again with something. But oh, thank um, you. Back to uh, back to the best weapon. Sorry, can I just say one thing actually, just before just before mm. you go on, and it's mm-hmm. completely irrelevant, and I should have mentioned it before. However, <laughs> it's not saber related, okay? Right. But I saw that at the either Cadet or Junior Euros, we had a GB woman um, coming third. Fantastic. Although I'm, why I'm getting extra excited was you had of the coaches getting medals. Mm, yeah. And and I thought it was really nice. And I also looked and went, there's only one male coach there. And all the other coaches were female. So I got a little bit excited about that. And I thought that's pretty uh, good. Okay. No, I hadn't spotted the second part. Yeah. Yes. Um, Carolina Stutchbury uh, picking up bronze in the Cadet Women's Foil. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Good stuff. So wait, 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 wait. Coaches are getting medals now as well. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So you, you got one, is that one more or one less thing to complain about? Well, I get cake. The, the, the agreement I have with my friends is that if they if they win medals, they buy me cake. That's oh, fair enough. Well, does that mean that if they got if you get a medal, do you get less cake? No, I still get cake, but now I have oh, a medal right. and cake. Oh, fair is enough. It a cake, yeah, so it's not a cake or medal option. No, 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 no. You want both? Exactly. Well, <laughs> the organisers will give me the medal. I'm looking forward to that now. Uh, uh-huh. But my, my my fencers also not, I just have to continue to supply me with cake. Uh, I do epi, padding is necessary, so keep it <laughs> yeah. Oh, that seems reasonable, actually, yeah. Plus, with your various aches and pains that you were whinging about earlier, you'll need <laughs> that extra padding supplied by the cake. Indeed. Indeed. There's, there's, a, there's a kind of logic. I see where you're going with this, Gav. Good. Right, foil. Right. Yes. Go for it. Yes, please. Um, so, women's foil from uh, Kazan in Russia. We'll charge through the early departures. Away now, Sarah Azuma. Ivanova, Korobanikova, and Francesca Palumbo, who I mention because she had been the sort of fourth fencer in the Italian team for oh quite a bit of the last couple of seasons. But when we get to the Sunday, she's been replaced by uh, Martina Bettini. So Palumbo could probably have done with quite a, a good result this weekend to, to get herself back in, in favour for the team event. Uh, and she's duly bombed out in the last 64, which uh, does her no good whatsoever. Out in the last 32, Lee Kiefer, Ariane Enrico, uh, Gion and Ronvier. Out in the 16, uh, Isora Tibu, who looked so incredibly impressive in Turin, diving out early here. Ebert, Ross and and the aforementioned Bettini going out in the 16. So uh, another solid result for Bettini cementing her place, her newly rediscovered place in the team. Um, so our quarterfinals. Shi Yu of China. Remember her, Gav? We saw her fencing at uh, saw her fencing at the World Championships. I, th- I think. Oh she yes, that's right. Yeah, an eight or sixteen there. I mm-hmm. thought well, she, she 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 looks quite decent. Well, um, she beats Ina Deraglazova in the first quarter final, fifteen twelve. I don't always watch all of the quarter final fights, but I, I had to go and track this one down. And really impressive performance from from she. Um, occasionally, when Deraglazova loses somebody, there's a hint of kind of gimmickiness. Yeah, that's right. That, you know, a fencer will find uh, one trick which will either get them a run hits towards the end of the fight or 
or build them a lead. But this was just just a genuine proper all round game and performance from uh, from she. Good, largely defensive, but prepared to have a go with the attacks as well and get a decent amount of success and um, a well deserved win. So that's uh, yeah, really impressive performance uh, against the against the world number one and you know, Olympic champion and, and world champion. Um, who, for all that I, I go on about how she wins all the time, you know, we're well into the season and she's only won one competition. So for her, that's a properly barren run of form. I mean, always close. I think this is probably her worst mm. result of the season going out in the last eight, but um, not the relentless winning machine that we have seen uh, for the previous couple of seasons. So, yeah, interesting, interesting times. Okay, rest of the uh, quarterfinals. Adelina Zagadelina of Russia beat Rio Azuma of Japan, 15-9. Elisa Di Francesca of Italy beat uh, Aida Mohamed of of Hungary, Mm. um, somebody who's, I think, not been in a a World Cup final for quite a long time. And she must actually be close to being a proper veteran, pushing pushing 40 if she's not there already. Uh, But uh, Di Francesca... Ruthlessly disposed of her 15-3. Um, and in the last quarterfinals, Alicia Volpe of Italy, uh, beat Fanny Kreis of, of Hungary. 15-14, so a properly close one. Kreis producing some, some good form over the last year or so and, uh, putting herself right in contention to qualify, um, as an individual, whether or not Hungary qualifies a team, which we'll get to again, uh, when we talk about the team event. So, um, semi-final, uh, number one. Uh, she against Zagalina. So here's two fences that we don't see in the sort of semi-final stages of, of World Cups and Groupies very often. And they match up against each other, you know, eyeing a, eyeing a place in a World Cup final, which, uh, would be a, a novelty, I think, for, for either of them. Zagalina goes, goes a couple of hits up, but she starts to, to find a range with her, with her attacks, quite a short attack, sort of patient build up, and then a really short, fast step lunge, uh, to, to deliver the hit. Mm. And also scores with a few stop hits and parry repost as well. So again, it's a, a properly all-round game about her fencing. And she goes in 7-5 up at the first break. So, you know, smallish lead, but perhaps looking the more complete fencer even even at this stage. And she quickly scores with a couple of attacks after the break to go 9-5 up. Uh, and from that point on, it's sort of a mixture of calm defence. You know, it's none of the sort of hyperactive activity that you get from from something so i mean sort of leaky for perhaps the most extreme example but but plenty of others out there much more measured in defense and uh feeling comfortable about being able to to break the distance and make the attack fall short and then take the parry repost if required or if the opportunity is there to to take the parry and hit with the repost along with the sort of sharp attacks that she's been having success with as well and but it's a very comfortable lead 14-7 up and uh has a, a little bit of a wobble coughs up a few hits but eventually sees it out with a nice making the attack fall short again from Zagadalina and picking the attack up and, and making her own hit. So a comfy uh, 15-10 win in the end for for she to pr- progress to the final. Second semi-final, an all-Italian match-up with uh, Di Francesca against Volpe. Pretty cagey at the start. I mean, obviously two fences. I think I think they train at the same club. I think they're both at Yezy. Uh They must have fenced each other hundreds of times. Um, so 4-4 at the first break. Di Francesca doing most of the pressing, but not not really committing too much. Um, so kind of all, all to play for going into the second period, and and Volpe comes out a bit more aggressive than she had done in the first period. But Di Francesca hitting with attacks on prep and counter attacks, and 
charges it to a 10-5 lead. And in, in the end, basically cruises to a, a comfortable win, 15-7. And it really looked like Fopia just, just kind of lost patience in that second period, coughed up a load of hits in a hurry. And I mean, at the last hit, she was clearly kind of sick of things and just wandered forward and let Di Francesca hit her. Um, she looked like she just couldn't get off the piece quite fast enough that she'd, she'd made a terrible mess of the, the fight from after the first break. And uh, yeah, Di Francesca on to the final. So uh, a Di Francesca she final. I mean, the similarities between the between the two of them, they both got relatively short attacks. Di Francesca perhaps got a bit more potential for um, stretching it out over a, a bit, and they both defend really well with distance. So it meant that the start of the fight was fairly slow scoring. You know, one fencer would try and make a sort of short, fast attack. They would get out of the way, but be sure enough about doing it. They couldn't really hit with a riposte. They couldn't quite then take the attack up quickly enough to score. So again, they're kind of edging up and down Fairly slow scoring, so Di Francesca three one up at the first break, and then scores with a couple of reports to go to go five two up, and and stretches out even further. So eight eight two up, sort of not not too far into the into the second period. You know, hits one attack, a um, couple of counter attacks, and uh-huh. she drags her her way back into and you know nothing spectacular. Perhaps Di Francesca just took her foot off the gas a little bit. She gets it back to eight five. At the at the second break, so uh, you know, Di Francesca felt in control of things, but you know, at eight two, it, it felt like it was all over. But eight five at the break, you think, well, you know, there's, there's there's still life in this match left. She patient, patient in the third period. She's not rushing into. Mm-hmm. She's only three hits down. Scores with a couple of a couple of attacks and a counter attack to to level up the eight all with uh, thirty two seconds left and there's no no real intent from either side to try and push for the push for the win in regular time so go into extra time she with the priority and Di Francesca scores the the final hit in the in the extra minute uh, just just reaching with the attack as as she again tries to uh, step out a distance to take the take the power person. Doesn't quite time it right, and uh, yeah, we got a Di Francesca win. So you know, yet another winner in our rich and varied list of, of World Cup and Grand Prix winners in women's foil this season, which um, yeah, hasn't been the case for for quite a long time. And uh, a pretty glorious live feed from Kazan. Good job by the Russian Federation uh, with some lovely Russian commentary, which I enjoyed hugely more than listening to David King and Bruce Dickinson. Even though I, the only words I could understand were the fencers' names, <laughs> so that was good. Team stuff. You want to hear about it? Because this is quite. This is actually quite exciting. I sped through the individuals because, well, it was. I didn't feel like there was a huge amount at stake in this. You know, it was a World Cup. She used performance was was great. A couple of early departures in Kiefer and Rigo. Zagalina going well, but it didn't it didn't totally stir the soul. But the women's four teams on the Sunday. Uh, really interesting because again, it's final World Cup uh, in Olympic qualifying. So we were going to find out who our who our teams for for Tokyo were from this, and because it's reached that stage where most of the places are are settled or close to settled, tiny entry for this only eighteen teams in it, uh, which is really well, it's not a lot, is it? It is small. Uh, so quarterfinals, big result first up, Poland, who were not in a qualifying position. At the start of the day, beat world number one team Russia, forty-two forty-one, in the quarterfinals, and that that kind of keeps Poland's hopes 
alive. USA beat Japan, so that, that confirms that USA were going to finish in the top four, which meant that Canada then definitely qualified in the Pan Am place. France beat Germany 45-33, and Italy beat Hungary, who were sitting in the European qualifying spot. Um, really comfortably, 45-13. Um, Hungary recovered a little bit uh, to finish finish sixth, I think. So Poland basically needs to finish in the top three, and they're still going. They lost to the USA in the semi-final, 45-36. You know, re- reasonable, comfortable loss. Um, and Italy beat France pretty comfortably, 45-28. I'll briefly mention the final, because that's not really the interesting bit here. The the Italian women's foil dream team of um, Di Francesca, Volpi, Rigo, and finally joined by the returning Bettini, uh, won very comfortably, 45-27. But the real interest was in the match before that for third place, where um, France were, were up against Poland. Poland needed to win that match to qualify. And they went they went into the last leg 40-37 up. Marika Charanowska uh, put in a superb leg in the for the for the eighth leg to, to get them that three hit lead. Uh, so you've got your your final leg uh, between Pauline Ronvier uh, against uh, Julia Valchek for for Poland. And you know, Valchek's a properly good fencer. And she just had a horrible time here in this final leg. You know, our whole our whole team are urging them on. They've had a an amazing win against against Russia. They need to win this match, and they all get to go to the Olympics. And Rovier's all over her right from the start. She was like a a French men's foilist. That seems sort of high speed, highly active, mm. aggressive, properly going for it um, style, and. And poor Julia couldn't couldn't hit. She couldn't hit anything. When she did, she did make opening openings. She would miss, or she would hit off target, and and the fight just gets horribly away from her. And France emerged with a forty five forty one win, and Poland come up short, which was pretty heartbreaking to watch because France were you know clearly delighted with the win, but nothing really very much at stake. So they're all, all jumping up and down in the piece and and celebrating, and you get you get the poor. Pools at the other end, you know their their days. Oh yeah, I can imagine. They've had their dreams snatched away from them at the last possible moment. It was it was pretty painful watching, to be honest. So yeah, so that was that was the teams from uh, teams from Kazan. A lot of teams confirmed that we knew. I mean, really, no change actually from how things looked going into it. Um, so we've got Russia, Italy, France, and the USA is the top four. Japan taking the the Asian spot. Canada taking the Pan American ones. Hungary. Just about doing enough to, to claim the European one, and um, Egypt doing doing plenty. They mm. they only have to make the top sixteen, and with with only eighteen teams there, that that was easy to ensure they keep their place in the top sixteen, and uh, can pack their bags for for a trip to the Olympics in the summer. So um, yeah, Poland two points short of uh, of overtaking Hungary. It's just just agonising, and there's there's going to be more of this over the next few weeks as we. We see people uh, either getting their getting their ticket to the Olympics, yeah, uh, and balancing that with the, the kind of agony of just of just coming up short. So yeah, that was the kind of first first really painful one of those. I think. I mean, I, obviously we didn't see the Koreans because we had no live stream from from Cairo, but they must have been in a, a, a similar 
agonizing position, perhaps even worse for them because they've been they've been looking mm. in for for so long. So yeah, two two tales of woe from uh, from Cairo and Kazan for for teams not making it. So that was um, that was the women's four from Russia, and uh, yeah, exciting stuff. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, it was. So that that after that run of activity, two foil competitions and, and a sabre one. We need to we need to choose our coolest fencer on the planet. So what have what have we got for nominations? Uh, I think I think the wizard himself. It does Mr. seem the obvious choice, Mister yeah. Anzalagi. I think, yeah, yeah. He, his fencing's pretty. He's pretty. He is a wizard. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll put in a a, a token shout for Shi Yu. I think pretty certain making her first first World Cup final, beating Derigosova, looking looking the real deal, a proper contender for for big prizes, but I. You know, I'm only seeing it to provide some some alternative <laughs> to to a to a Solagi win, which I, I think is entirely fair and reasonable. Okay, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. any sort of rises on the on uh, Mr. Solagi himself? I think we should have a foilist this time. Uh, no, I'm joking. Obviously, it's going to be Solagi. <laughs> what are you on about? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to back you up, Kate. Oh, yeah. okay. No, no, I'm, We're joint I'm teams. To, fair enough. Yeah, I'm happy to concede on this one because um, yeah, he is he is the defensive wizard of. Of Saber certainly, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. happy happy to see him back on top of the podium again after after a little while, and yeah, just tuning up nicely f- nicely for the summer. Yeah, part of me wants someone to um, like something exciting to happen at the Olympics, but I also want him to win and get a third mm. title, and then be sort of completely hundred percent established as fencing wizard. Should also mention actually that um, Slag is getting a documentary made at the moment of his. Bid to go back to the Olympics mm, and win it yeah, the third time. Yeah, uh, and that's something that I would say was well. You highlighted as our social media guru. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't follow us on the social media, you should do it because there's lots of little snippets like that that we uh, that we find and share about the place. So, you can complain about cameras with us. Yeah, you can. <laughs> you can. You can join in our collective rants as well. <laughs> yeah, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, do do follow us on all the social media, the Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram. Oh yeah, and uh, Gav, you shared a, a little bit of news with me about uh, on your your personal Instagram account. You've got a new follower, I believe. You got the big got the big man on board. Oh, yeah. Come on, tell us, uh, Yannick Burrell. Yeah, yeah. He said nice things about my photos yeah, in the finally, past too. So finally following you. Yeah, yeah. Did so you have a little bit of a fangirl moment. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I did. I did. I sent a picture <laughs> straight away to someone. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I bet you it turns out that it's his secretary or something like that. Could well know? be. Yeah, he's got a minion that does it. Or for it's him. a fan page, maybe by accident. No, no, it's it's the official Yannick Burrell page. Ooh. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. So there, there's another social media suggestion for you. If you're if you're not following Gav, that's anti fencer on uh, on Instagram. You should some some beautiful images there of some beautiful fencing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, do that too. Do it. Do it. So <laughs> stuff that we got to look forward to. Budapest Epic Grand Prix should be good. It's going to be awesome. It's always a good. That's always a good tournament. Yep. The men's saber from Padua. Well, we'll we'll wait and see. Kate, yeah. You were saying he, hearing mm-hmm. rumours that it might might not be on, but it's really not far away from the date where we are recording this. So the if it's not going to happen, they need an announcement quickly. And because it's such a, a key stage of Olympic qualification, they're going to have to come up with something else. Yeah, which will be hard going. And um, last but by no means least. 
Uh, we've got Women's Sabre from Athens. Yeah. Are you going to Athens? I am indeed going to Athens. Excellent. So we'll get a, an eyewitness account of exactly what's happening. Some, some nice correspondence for you. There'll yes. be no excuse for me to miss out fights as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, the, the plan is you fence as, as long into the weekend as you possibly can. Oh, obviously, so, yeah, yeah. So plan is that you get to see almost no fencing at all because you're too busy actually doing it. Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. <laughs> Talked about this earlier. Plan E, always go for plan E. Yeah, just go for plan A. Just do it. Always plan A. Yeah. Yep. Simple. Nice one. So I think that's enough for, for this time around, uh, but we'll see you again very soon. Bye. Bye. Sean here with a quick footnote to the actual recording, just to say that the Padua Men's Sabre World Cup has indeed been moved. Uh, initially, it looked like it was going to Tiber Bischofsheim, but after a couple of days uh, showing up on the FIE website as taking place in Luxembourg. So if you're a men's sabre, uh, wandering Europe looking for a World Cup, uh, give Luxembourg a go because that seems the, the likeliest option at the moment. So we'll have all that to talk about and more in the next episode. And I look forward to seeing you then.